Hi, I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales written and performed by Black creatives from all over the world. This week, we do the Monster Mash. But before we get to monsters big and small, I want to take a moment to say thanks to our newest patrons, Terry and Wendell. If you'd like to support Black Horror and enjoy ad-free episodes, just go to nightlightpod.com legion to join the Nightlight Legion and get a shout-out on the podcast, plus occasional bonus content. You can also make a one-time donation to support us at nightlightpod.com donate. And don't forget, Nightlight merch is available, and you can support us by sporting Nightlight-branded gear. Just go to merch.nightlightpod.com to get your t-shirts, hoodies, notebooks, and more. Now sit back, turn out the lights, and enjoy Monster Bites. Written by Johnny Compton and narrated by me, Tanya Ransom. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hi. I'm Yusuf Dahl, and when I was 18, I was convicted of selling drugs. For the past three years, I've had difficulty finding housing because it is legal in the United States to discriminate against individuals that have a past drug distribution conviction on their record for life. It doesn't matter if it was a hard drug like heroin or a drug that's now legal or partially legal in many states across the country like marijuana. The Thurman Amendment was introduced to the Fair Housing Act in 1988 by segregationist Strom Thurmond, and it's since been used to deny housing to all people. But because people of color are disproportionately jailed for drug charges, we are affected more. My goal is to overturn this amendment to start an end to housing discrimination that unfairly targets people of color. If you would like to join this movement, please visit ThurmanAmendment.org to learn more. A message from the Fable and Folly Network. The thing hunched on all fours in the grass was more shadow than substance, darker than the moonlit night behind it. Elisa could not see which way it was facing, but was sure it had eyes on her and Dandy. She didn't know whether to back away slowly, look for a large rock or stick to defend herself, or keep still and wait for the thing to lose interest. A dozen other thoughts passed through her mind. Among those, unexpectedly, was the fact that love had brought her to this moment. Love led her to move in with Grace outside the city limits where every house had a septic tank and a couple of acres. Love made her a dog owner too, the step-parent of Grace's dog, Dandy. Elisa wasn't a dog person. She'd never owned a pet before moving into Grace's house, but the short-haired brown border collie loved her and minded her better than it did Grace. Maybe because Elisa was less affectionate, never going in for a hug, refusing to speak to Dandy in silly voices, and giving out belly rubs like they were reserved for special occasions. That was Grace's theory, that Dandy worked harder for Elisa's attention because Elisa gave it sparingly. Elisa suspected it was because the little monster watched her make its food in the pressure cooker once a week, then package it and place it in the fridge. And because she was the one who walked Dandy along the snaking, mile-long trail near the house, instead of walking her a few laps around the park nearby, as Grace did. The little monster liked the park well enough, but loved the trail. 
Grace had foot problems that gave her pain when she tried to tread that uneven ground, however. Elisa could handle it, and until this moment, had started to enjoy it. If she was going to live out here for love, she should try to love living here. Likewise, if she was going to be a dog owner, she might as well learn to be a good one, even though she found the dog more nuisance than companion. Still, it was a living thing, her sole responsibility with Grace out of town this week, and even stubborn, smelly, and slobbery little monsters deserved to be treated well, didn't they? Perhaps there were exceptions, like the thing in the grass snarling at her and Dandy. Easy, monster, Elisa said to the dog, who usually responded to her saying monster faster than she did to anyone else calling her Dandy. When she was being a little too much for Grace to handle, Elisa would say, monster, in a forceful tone, the warning of, don't make me come over there, implied, and Dandy would settle down. Then Elisa would smile at Grace and say, ever going to learn to control your dog? Our dog, Grace always said. Elisa couldn't get Dandy to obey now, though. The dog stood stiff, hackles raised. She let out a low growl and pulled as far as the leashed harness let her. Elisa started forward to move between her dog and the thing smothered in shadow, but Dandy stepped forward with her. Monster, get over here now, Elisa said, trying to sound less scared than she was, more assertive. Dandy still did not obey. The remaining quaver in Elisa's voice just made Dandy bark at the thing in the grass. The shadow moved, its shoulders straightening to raise its front higher than its haunches. It let out a throaty hiss for several seconds before the sound devolved into a clicking gurgle. Then, after a long breath, there was measured laughter, deep and mocking. The sound of a mouthless alien that found human noises risible. It made Elisa shudder and pull harder on Dandy's leash. To that point, she managed to delude herself into thinking the thing might only prove threatening if they made the wrong move or antagonized it. Its laughter told her that it took joy in scaring them. It gained something from her the longer she looked at it. As if reading her thoughts, the thing said, Close your eyes and see me better. Its voice was old, hoarse, and full of deranged glee. Worse, it possessed power. Elisa hadn't heard a voice with that much strength since she was a little girl, when she was feverish, nauseous, and aching from an illness the doctors couldn't diagnose. An aunt she'd never seen before came to the hospital at her mom's beckoning when things worsened. The first thing her aunt said to the crying Elisa was, Quiet, child. And Elisa had obeyed as her pains instantly subsided. Her aunt's voice was that much stronger than her suffering. Later, after healing Elisa and taking some time to recover from the effort, her aunt, Dia Margaret, explained to Elisa that she had been worse than sick. Medicine and science are wonderful, Margaret said, but there are some things they aren't good for. Maybe one day that will change. For now, we still have to meet hexes with counters, threaten devils with banishment, or appease them, or trick them. Elisa visited her aunt whenever she could after that, but from then until the day Margaret died, Elisa could never get her to say exactly who or what had put her in the hospital. Please don't ask about that ever again, Margaret finally said one day. You're better off not knowing, and I don't like to think about all the things I had to do. 
As she got older, Elisa heard bits of information that gave her a general idea of what happened to her. There'd been an ugly custody battle between her parents. Before she got sick, her paternal grandmother cornered Elisa's mother in the meat market one day and told her that if she really loved her daughter, she'd let the little girl go before something awful happened. Within days of Elisa getting better, her father and his mother went missing. They were never heard from again. I don't like to think about all the things I had to do. Elisa was a teenager before she did the math that aligned her aunt's implied confession with her father's and grandmother's disappearance, and trusted that her Tia Margaret was right. She was better off not knowing everything. She wished she knew a little more now, some kind of spell to shield her and Dandy, or buy them time to escape. The shadow spoke with the authority of a practitioner at least on par with Tia Margaret. As worrisome as the power of their voice was, the delirious delight in their tone is what made Elisa tremble. Close your eyes and see me better, it said again, and Elisa's eyelids got heavy. She started to fall asleep on her feet. As the darkness took her, she saw a weathered face shrouded by blackness. The face sported a toothy, tight-jawed smile, like it was holding a small living thing inside its mouth relishing the panic dancing on its tongue, before it swallowed. Elisa thought it was a woman's face, though it could have been a man's. One thing she was sure of, this person was beyond old. Their complexion was gray, darker around the eyes. Their face was more cracked than wrinkled. Thin strands of white hair clung to a mostly bald scalp like they wanted to fall away, but were stuck there. The eyes were large, yellowed, and unblinking. She could see how many veins had popped in each eye as the face came closer. Dandy barked twice, loud and sharp. This wasn't like when she went back and forth with another dog she saw at the park, or when she heard someone come through the front door. Elisa had never heard Dandy sound like this before, but was thankful to hear it now. It brought her out of her daze just enough to see the shadow approaching. Its laughter filled the night. You're mine this time, girl. Who'll save you now? No one, no, no, I've got you this. The leash ripped free of Elisa's grip. The shadow's laughter turned into a scream as Dandy leapt at it. Elisa was slow to react, still emerging from her stupor. She heard the dog cry out, then heard the person Dandy was fighting do the same. That brought Elisa running toward the action. She shut her eyes and jumped shoulder first at the taller figure in the grass, which became more solid and less of a shade at the moment of impact. Get away from us, Elisa screamed. She managed to pull Dandy from her attacker, then scooped the dog into her arms before running back the way they came in. Normally, Dandy resisted being picked up, but she didn't struggle now. That concerned Elisa, as did the wet spot she felt in the crook of her arm. For once, Elisa hoped the dog had just peed on her, but she knew that wasn't it. Dandy had yelped for a reason. Behind her, not far enough for her liking, she heard the shadow person cry, It bit me! Your disgusting rat bit me! Elisa did not look back to see how close her pursuer was. She heard them coming, though. Their steps pounded the earth with a rhythm that made her think they were running on all fours. She called for help and felt like she was screaming into a well. Her voice echoed and carried downward into nothingness. 
The neighbors couldn't hear her, she knew. She screamed again, louder, and the well just got narrower and deeper. Was she imagining this? Or was the person behind her somehow doing it? That living shadow, that witch. Don't use that word, Tia Margaret had told her when Elisa asked if she was a witch. It's just as silly as saying werewolf or vampire. It's too limiting and too aggrandizing in the same breath. It describes something that none of us are. I am a practitioner and student in a field where there are no masters, and I accept that. Some of us learn to change shapes, some focus on spells, some try a little of everything. But none of that makes someone a witch, even though I've known too many who think of themselves that way. They think they're more than they are, that they can cheat death forever, when they can't even put off senility for more than a few decades. That's where the old stories of crones that know black magic came from, I think. I've seen what happens when minds in denial grow feeble with age, when they get weaker and the degradation accelerates. I don't usually think in terms of good and bad because it all depends on who you're helping or hurting at the moment and their perspective. But those old ones who can't accept what's happening to them and that nobody's immune to time, not even them, I swear they've never done good to anyone. They just get stuck in their denial trying to relive old feuds, fight old battles, fix their history. Like they think they can trick time into believing they're as young as they used to be. This all flashed through her mind in an instant, less a conscious thought than embedded knowledge. You're mine this time, girl, her pursuer had said a moment ago. This time, who'll save you now? God, that's what this was about? Elisa was some withered practitioner's old battle? History that their deluded mind was telling them to fix? How was she going to survive this? There was no one to save her. Tia Margaret was long dead, and her closest protector was the poor, wounded dog that needed more protection than it could provide. All Elisa could do was run and hope. She remembered pleading with her aunt to teach her something, anything, that would give her protection in case her dad and grandmother resurfaced and tried something again. You don't have to worry about them, Tia Margaret assured her. Well, what about anyone else? Are you planning to make enemies? Listen, the more you know, the more trouble you're liable to invite, and nothing I can teach you will protect you from everything, or even most things. All you need to know are the basics anyone needs to know. Try to be decent to people, be there for the ones who love you, and love the ones who are there for you. Sounds like a bad song, and I can't guarantee it will always help you, but I can't guarantee 99% of anything else I could tell you either. And that last percent? It isn't worth the burden to know it. Trust me. Elisa made it beyond the trail and onto the street their house was on, but knew that it wouldn't matter. She kept running because it was all she could do, but as she got close to home, Elisa was still sure she would die. Getting into the house wouldn't save her or Dandy. She briefly considered running past the house because of this. She didn't want Grace to come home in a few days to find her and the dog dead on the living room floor. She got to the house, went inside, and locked the door behind her. Even if there was no chance to survive, she had to try. Dandy, by then, was shaking in her arms. 
For all Elisa knew, the little monster had been shivering in her grip the whole time, and she'd just been too scared to feel it. She set the dog down in the foyer and checked the damp spot on its hind leg in the dim moonlight showing through the front windows. A series of deep punctures and small gashes formed a crescent in Dandy's leg. A bite mark? God, that shadow figure, a true monster, was more deranged than Elisa could have guessed. She flipped a light switch to get a better look at Dandy's wound. The light immediately flickered out. She tried the switch again, then the hallway light near it, but the house remained dark. She rushed through the hall and into the kitchen to try the light switch there, but froze when she heard an angry rising moan in the living room before her. The shadow was there, tall, thin, grayer than it was black, but still shrouded, its face still hidden unless Elisa blinked. She did once, saw that awful ancient face, and tried her best to keep her eyes open from then on. Your filthy rat bit me, the shadow said. First, you escape me. Humiliate me. Poison my reputation for all these years. Then you have that thing bite me. I'm going to take my time with you. I was going to be merciful, but now... A feverish heat overcame Alyssa from within. Sickness as thick and hot as boiling tar flooded her stomach. Pain sliced through her joints. Her knees buckled. Now I'm going to give you everything you missed the first time. And more. I'm going to give you everything I know, little girl. Before I'm done, you will pray for... A rumbling growl made the shadow fall silent. The growl grew louder and made glasses and dishes near the sink crack. Elisa looked back toward the sound and saw a massive canine shape with distended limbs that bent more like a human's than a dog's. Dandy was far larger than she'd been a moment ago, and her huge bared teeth were flatter, like a person's. When she stood on her hind legs and spread her arms to steady herself against the hallway walls, she looked stranger still. But it was Dandy, Elisa knew. She had grown to love the little monster too much not to recognize her. What is that? The shadow said, its voice unsteady. That, that shouldn't be. What in the what in the devil is it? Elisa managed to smile through her pain. It's my dog that you bit, you asshole. Dandy emitted a hybrid barking shouting noise that cracked the walls of the house and sheared a piece of the shadow's head off. Stop! The shadow cried, but it was talking to an angry beast that was just barely human enough to use the power that contaminated it. The bite did it, like a vampire or werewolf bite infecting someone else with accursed strengths and abilities. Except there were no vampires or werewolves, just as there were no witches. Or, more accurately, there was no significant distinction between any of these things. They were all just practitioners. Some changed into animals, some focused on spells, and some drove themselves so mad they might someday bite a dog. Elisa laughed when she realized this. It hurt to laugh, but not as much as it would have seconds ago when the shadow wasn't on the defensive and had all of its attention on her. The shadow again shouted, Stop! And Dandy, shout barked in response, firing out some attack spell that made bones crack and that Dandy didn't need to know the words for. 
All she needed to know was that the thing she was barking at was a threat to her and to one of her favorite humans. Make it stop. Call it back, the shadow said to Elisa. She almost felt a grain of pity for them. They were so far past their prime, so powerless against anyone or anything capable of fighting back. I'll leave. Just, just call it back. I'll go away, please. Elisa was still laughing. She couldn't help herself. It was all she could do to keep herself sane. What she thought of before came to mind, how love had brought her here. Loving Grace, learning to love where she lived, even loving her damn dog. And what had Tia Margaret said about loving the people who were there for you, how that was a protection as effective as anything else she could teach her? That quote that belonged in a bad song. She laughed harder at that, which helped keep her mind from breaking at Dandy's thunderous shouts, the shadow's head-splitting screams. It took Elisa several seconds to realize it when it was all over. The foyer in the hallway lights had come on. The house had gone silent, aside from her petering laughter. Quiet, Quiet child. Was that just a memory, or her aunt speaking to her from the other side? It didn't matter. She followed the command and calmed herself, got to her feet, and walked to Dandy. The still-altered dog was bent over a very old man who lay naked, broken, and still. Dandy laughed at a gaping wound in the dead man's neck. Monster, Elisa said. Dandy turned, sat attentive, gave Elisa a look that said, I wasn't doing anything. I'm a good dog. Elisa smiled, started to crouch to get to Dandy's eye level out of habit, then realized she didn't need to. She coughed and cleared her throat to suppress another hysterical laughing fit. She looked around, surveyed the damage to the house, and shook her head at the body on the floor. What was she going to do about all of this? Where to even begin? She held her hand out. Thank you, Dandy, but you're going to have to change back. You know that, right? Her not-so-little monster panted happily and licked Elisa's hand. Thanks again to our patrons for supporting this podcast. Because of your support, listeners around the world get creepy tales in their ears every other week. If you want new stories every week, the only way for that to happen is to join the Nightlight Legion by going to nightlightpod.com legion. You can also make a one-time donation via PayPal at nightlightpod.com donate. If you're unable to support us financially, word of mouth is the next best way to help. Give us a shout-out online on Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram at nightlightpod, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ransompodcasts. Reviews are also a huge help, so be sure to leave a few kind words on your podcast platform of choice. Audio production for this episode by Davis Walden. And to thank you for listening until the very end, we have a creepy fact for you. Hellhound lore is diverse. In some cultures, hellhounds are loyal protectors. In others, they're harbingers of death. In fact, some myths say that encountering a hellhound three times means that your demise is imminent. This is the second story of a hellhound-like creature that we've had on this podcast. I wonder what will happen if we do a third. Join us next time, and be sure to leave your nightlight on. You never know what shadows might be stalking you in the dark.
the Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.